Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. Today, I know I promised you guys the episode about Latvian engineers. The problem is that we were trying to do a voiceover, and it failed miserably. Technical issues and uh, scripting everything from a transcript, from a video, putting that into audio format. Now we're going to have to rework that episode. It is coming, though, because I truly want to tell you about how Latvian engineers are doing their thing and why... Their tire recycling process is awesome, but I can't just delay an episode much longer, really. You know, that's how I basically survive. And if you've noticed, uh, still working on our webpage, IT guys are being laggy, which is bad. But in the show description will be our PayPal thing and our Patreon thing, so if you want to support the show, please go there. However, today's episode is going to be about something that I've wanted to do a show in a long while, And uh, I'll tell you a little secret, because we have a bunch of episodes just saved up for the right moment, such as this one, you know, when I'm late for an episode, or something bad happens, or whatever. And then I get to tell you about the stuff that I pocketed, in a way. And this time, we're going to be talking about Russian prisons once again. Treat this as Russian prisons episode number two. Our first Russian prisons episode came out uh, about, I don't know, a year ago or something? But we're doing this, and then we're probably doing tanks. However, it's going to be a bit difficult, because I need to work more on the sheer technical aspects of Latvian engineering. Hope you won't mind. In this episode, we will be discussing how the youth prisons really differ from the adult prisons in the post-Soviet sphere, because this doesn't concern only Russia, this concerns like all the Stans and uh, Ukraine and Belarus and everything like that. I bet it's a bit more humane, at least from the guard perspective, here in the Baltics. However, I think that the whole prison hierarchy thing still exists. And we'll also be discussing all their crazy weird inventions that they've made, and why getting into a youth prison is way worse. And I mean a lot worse. Like, tons of worse. That's probably going to turn to meme, though. A lot worse than... Um, actually staying into a, an adult prison. And, as a bonus point, we'll give you a full introduction on 
what you should expect upon entering your cell, your prison cell for the first time, and what AUYE really means and how they've been expanding lately. Because they have, and um, that's a bit of a sad story, because I really don't think that we need some prison culture stories in our real lives, in our everyday lives, all across the board, really. So, to begin all this episode about prisons too, I have to start with the AUYE movement which stands for Arestanski Uklad Yedinoy. Or, that's totally, totally wrong accents, obviously, but still, uh, that's how I read it, because when you think in English, you kind of read in English as well. Accents are totally wrong. Arestanski Uklad Yedinoy. That's kind of more like it. Basically, what this means is that there are kids in Belarus, Russia, and Ukraine who have decided that due to the fact that they live in small towns, which is... 99% of everyone who's in this AUYE movement, which is a lot of following both in Facebook and in Kontakte and all the Russian social media networks. Yeah, these guys have decided to live their everyday lives according to the prison laws, so to speak. What our prison laws are, again, check our previous prison episode, it's somewhere there in the feed. However, these guys are so awful and so terrible that even, as they're called, paradichny, uh Arestante, or proper arrestants, yeah, even those people basically state that these guys are going overboard. Now, just a quick reminder, in case you haven't heard the previous episode, there are uh, basically three main cases, three or four, depending on the zone, really, of prisoners. The first ones are Blatnia, uh, which are also separated, there are Varivzakonia and whatever, but the Blatnia are the professional criminals who never cooperate with the criminal underground. Then there are Muziki, or Patsane, in the youth colonies. Muziki are your average everyday people who've gone to jail for some time or something, but in general they made their crimes by mistake or whatnot, and they just want to, you know, get back to their everyday lives once they exit the prison. And then there are Petuhi. These guys are the lowest caste of the prisoners, who are, well, homosexual. They're at least considered homosexual, because in the Soviet prison and the Eastern European prisons, being a homosexual is considered the gravest sin that you can make. Now again, as I remind you, in adult prisons, you can be counted into the pietohi, the homosexuals of the prison, who are basically, if someone of a higher rank rapes you, then you're not allowed to kind of oppose the person, whatever. But in the higher ranks, this case is reserved for truly bad offenders and rapists and pedophiles. And also there are a myriad of various rules. For example, if you're eating while someone else is doing their um, thing on the toilet, then you can become one. At least you could in the 90s. Now it's kind of more lax. Again, in the adult prisons, you can only become that if you truly break the rules. But you can become a pietuch by, um, by admitting that you've given oral sex to your girlfriend, or that you've kissed her after she's given you a blowjob, or the fact that you've even touched one of the pietuchi, right? That's super, like, already harsh. But in the youth colonies, it's even harsher. So, see, the guys in those kind of Aoye movement... They're trying to live by these standards of the Russian prison, but they're taking that to extreme. There have been noted things where, um, basically, in a Russian, and this time it's Russian, but same applies to Ukraine and Belarus, because we'll be talking about that. It's all in the post-Soviet sphere, basically. 
Think about this. You're sitting in the prison for kids, which it is basically. Then you're being um, forced to take one of the cases, at least in the black colonies. Because like I said, the black prisons are ones whose administration basically just runs day-to-day stuff and doesn't care about the order of the prisoners. But the organized crime movement does take care of all that. Those are the black ones and the red ones are the prisons where administration takes care of everything, so to speak. In the red prisons, there is another case called Kazli or uh, goats, where these are the prisoners who are forced or volunteer to cooperate with the administration. However, we'll be talking about the black prisons there because apparently they are considered way better for your average prisoner than the red ones, because in the red ones, if you're, for example, a political prisoner, you shall be humiliated and you shall suffer everything that a human possibly can endure, just like Alexei Navalny does. So, you know, not an easy place to be. Anyways, Aouye, in this case, is an organization, which I've probably mentioned them before, but right now a lot of new things have come up. And these guys are trying to live by the prison standards in the real world. They make their barrack leader, Smatryashi, in their schools, and they gather money, and they're all trying to be thieves. However, if you listen to my first prison episode, which I again I recommend, and I've done so for like three times in five minutes or something, so please go listen to that one before you listen to this one, because this is a second part of a long, untouched study. See, it's way easier to become a petuch in a kind of a youth colony than it is to become one in a normal prison colony thing, because, you know, where 50 people live in a single barrack or something. The trick is the fact that if the opushinliya, pietuhi, if these people are about 7-8% to of the people in the adult colonies, their number grows to about 20-30% to in the kids' colonies, because they have stupid, dumb rules, because they are all, well, basically teenagers. And there's a documented case which happened recently where someone who was basically... You know, he dropped his fork when he was, like, taking his foodstuffs from, like, the small window where they give you the foodstuffs in a colony, in the prison system in Ukraine. And he dropped his fork while he was picking up the dish, right? For that fact that he dropped his fork near the bathroom in the youth prison colony, he was raped twice. And uh, he was turned down to become one of the petuhi, sort of um, offended classes, right? However, the guys who were responsible for this, yeah, they afterwards sent a letter to kind of, you know, because the colony was, for the underage people, it was held at the same building as an adult colony, you know, the adult prison. And through the prison mail, which we're going to touch later, through various ways of strings and whatnot, they sent a letter to the adult colony stating that, hey guys, this dude broke the panyatia, the prison laws, and then we raped him in the ass, and uh, now he's a petuch, and that's awesome, because we were living by these prison rules. The people from um, the adult prison, they responded with the fact that, what the hell are you doing? Please stop, this is dumb, you do not rape a person for this, this is total bisparyadak, or like, not living by panyatia, this is nonsense, and this is dumb. Because... Currently, in, in prisons all over the post-Soviet sphere, you only can get into Apushinli by truly committing a horrendous crime and whatnot. And even then, like, it's not very likely due to the fact that, you know, those guys have nothing to lose. They can be 
raped at will and punched and whatnot. And so, you know, they often go out with suicides, cutting up everyone in the back. And in response, the youth colony decided that, well, if the adult guys say this is wrong, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna rape the guy who did this in the first place, because there's no coming back from being a petujo or a pushinly. You know, that case is locked forever. So we're just gonna rape that guy who did it because of our commands, and then we're gonna send another message to the adults. So yeah, their response was the fact that um, they raped another person, and the adults did not respond because they were like, nope, we're out of here, we're not taking the responsibility. This is how it shows. And also there is like a bunch of studies from people who were in these colonies about the fact that, you know, if you've ever eaten sausage in your life, never admit it, you might become one of the apushinly in prison. Or the fact that you've actually been kind to your woman because for some reason those prisons are extremely sexist. Like if you've ever been kind and nice to your girlfriend or your wife, then you might as well be gay by their standards, and then people can do all these, these things to you. Russian youth prisons are extremely brutal, and same with Ukraine and Belarus, because that's what I know of. In total, they have, unlike other prisons which have like four or five cases of prisoners with their tattoos and symbolics and everything, in youth prisons they have 30 or more cases, out of which only four are considered proper ones. Because everyone else in the same prison is considered to be dirty or a slave, basically, to others. So Russian youth prisons, where you can get in for any offense whatsoever, they're considered to be one of the worst places on the planet Earth to live in. You see, that's the trick here, because it's a combination of teenagers not knowing what they're doing, it's a combination of people who already feel weak because they're oppressed by their governments, wanting to show their strength to someone else, I suppose. But those prisons are awful. So most of the Pietohi and all that case in the modern adult prisons, yeah, they all basically come from Malayetkas, how they're called, uh, like the youth prisons. And, um, and what they do is truly horrifying sometimes. I'm sorry for being a bit slow because I've absorbed all this information through YouTube currently. And uh, yeah, my script doesn't make me feel any better because I want to puke a bit inside when I even have to talk about all this Russian prison system. And when I say Russian, I mean post-Soviet. Sorry, guys. However, the prisoners themselves, they're a corrupty folk. Really. Because one thing which I mentioned before was all this prison network. And then there's also chefir, the recipes of which I shall be discussing forthwith. And, um, well, that's going to be a bit depressing. However, less depressing than whatever I've been telling you guys about all these Russian youth prisons. Hello there. Thank you for tuning in into another episode of The Eastern Border. We are so happy to announce that this episode is brought to you by our friends at Rusansov.com. If you're looking to buy new art, don't forget to use the code EASTERNBORDER for a discount on us. Remember, head over to rusensoft.com and happy shopping! If, however, you want to support our show directly, head over to patreon.com or our website theeasternborder.lv to find out how you can help out. For all things Eastern Border, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Discord. And as always, thank you so much for supporting us. We really appreciate each and every one of you. That's all from me now. See you online. This podcast brought to you by RussianVoiceOvers.eu. Enjoy. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. So what we're doing right now is going to explain to you how to make chifir. Chifir, or chefir, is a drink that can be obtained by brewing very concentrated tea leaves. See, in a way, it's in some way a narcotic substance because it causes dependence and actively influences the human psyche because it's a super mega concentrated tea. Sometimes people call chefir a kind of very hard brewed tea, but it's wrong because it's way more bitter and it rots your teeth, and it's terrible, but that's the thing. I mean, if you drink that often, then you'll be probably crazy, but, well, a lot of people in Russian prisons drink that, because that's the only thing you can get. See, the very word chifir, that's a word with a long history, and the meaning of this word has a rather controversial situation there. In the dictionary of uh, Ozhagov, an explanation is given that the word chifir was derived from the name of the red, non-fermented Caucasian homemade wine. Others suggest that this word is similar to the word chihir and means spoiled sour wine. And this drink is dark in color anyways, it is enough to drink a little to get into a state of intoxication, basically. But there's another point of view of the origin of the word chifir. It comes from the name of tea substitutes chagir. And what is chifir? Well, chifir is considered to be the most popular drink in post-Soviet prisons. It's called a prison drink for that very reason. The prisoners themselves have come up with the chifir correctly. Brewed chifir is in, made in their prison aluminium mugs, because aluminium mugs are the standard of Soviet post-Soviet prisons since the 1920s, basically, so, well, no surprise there. The norm of brewing was two to three tablespoons, tablespoons, of small leaf tea for one mug. As the tinier the tea leaves get, the stronger the tea can get, and sometimes they just powder it even. And they also just use basically very cheap quality black tea, the one that is available to them. And if black tea is not available, then the people to make chafir, they use the green tea, but they increase the dose massively. The thing is that it's an extra hard strong tea, and they have another drink called koin, which is made by mixing this trashy drink, which you'll probably die from, with coffee, with uh, kind of this... Well, not, not your ground coffee, but the one that kind of fully dissipates in the water. And how to brew a chifir? First, you boil the water. Then, you drop in some tea leaves on it. Like I said, two to three tablespoons. Either three matchboxes of tea without kind of a pile on top of them, or two with a huge pile on top of them. It's extra strong. It's kind of weird, in a way. And then you start to boil the water. 
and it's important that as you drop the water in that the tea leaves float on the surface of the water. Then the mug gets closed with any lid and it kind of brews in and takes all the stuff from it for 15 minutes. And after those 15 minutes you can kind of drink it. It's a weaker form of chefir. However, it's still bizarre because it's not the end of it if you want to make the real chefir. See, when the tea leaves kind of went down a bit, then you can start drinking it. And, well, often people will smoke a cig in their 50-man barracks to enhance the effect of the chefir. However, not always. And there's another thing, because you can also enhance the effect of the strength of the drink, because it's a mega caffeine bomb. It's not psychedelic, as other people will tell you, but it has some weird qualities, and it's a uh, hyper coffee, so to speak. So to enhance the effect of the drink and to kind of strengthen it, you need to reheat it without boiling it two to three times. And how people achieve this, mostly in prisons, in Soviet prisons at least, they would kind of tie a newspaper very, very tightly, but they would kind of put plastic bags in between the layers of the paper. They would hold these kind of torches vertically, and then the plastic would all just kind of burn away as well. But this makes, basically, if you roll up a plastic bag intertwined with a uh, with a, some sort of newspaper, then you have a torch which you can light up vertically to kind of save time. And also these torches are used when someone goes to the bathroom, because the bathroom is in the prison cell, in the Soviet prison cell, in the same room where 50 people live. It's hidden behind a curtain between the people who live there and the pot itself or something. But because of the smell, the people would just light up these torches and just instantly douse them off so that it would kind of um, stop the smell, because it's like all smoky, because the smoke basically makes all the smells palpable in a way. But yeah, the same torch is used to enhance this thing, because you, you wait for 15 minutes for the chefir, and then you kind of reheat it, but by not boiling it. And oftentimes, most often, you drink this super heated, super hot drink without any sugar. The effect of taking the chefir comes in 15-20 minutes because you get super caffeine high, you get a mega caffeine high. There's a change in the mental state. A person is excited, feels a surge of strength. Consciousness changes. Every person has a bit different changes, however, this is similar to kind of a light psychostimulant. You know, a bit of ADHD medication, so to speak. And after drinking chefir, the prisoners, they do not eat anything, but only smoke cigarettes. However, you know, this is done because otherwise they'll puke their insides out. And um, yeah, because of the frequent and long heating process of chefir, the substance tein, which is kind of like caffeine with similar effects, except more focused on tea, yeah, that's destroyed, passing to other chemical compounds. From leaves to tea in the process of such brewing, a lot of alkaloids are deduced, so it kind of also mixes into the mix. Alkaloids, guanine and destroyed tenine, affect the harmful composition of the resulting drink. And as a result, chefir is a concentrate of harmful alkaloids that destroy the central nervous system. In terms of chemical composition, chefir is completely unlike ordinary tea. Chefir causes intestinal cramps, frequent headache, tachycardia, increased heart rate and increased pressure. And it totally harms your liver and kidneys a lot. And if you're a beginning chefir user, then um, that causes nausea and vomiting. If you kind of puke out the drink, then you apparently become irritated, apathetic, and depressed. The thing is that a lot of chefir drinkers also state that 
after drinking Jafir, which is drunken basically from a single cup, which is a kind of a breach of prison rules, but there's special rituals for Jafir, you have to sit down and you can't puke it out, otherwise, well, bad things will happen to you. You have to do the sitting down thing, or Padsadyash, you know, thing is like you have to sit down for a bit. But basically, Jafir is a ring that is an extremely very strong tea. They, the prisoners use it as a tonic with prolonged physical exertion or the lack of ability to sleep. And, you know, you can make it once or twice maybe, but you should really be very careful if you're following this recipe because truly it extremely negatively affects the psyche and human health and uh, it's addictive. Yeah, it's a tea that gets you addicted to it. It's weird. The proper thing is, like I said, you have to get a mug, take a small leaf tea of well, mostly poor quality from the real experience, and then add crap tons of tea leaves whatsoever. The thing is that you can drink the chefir when the leaves settle to the bottom. And again, it should be noted, once again, that the use of chefir by an unprepared person does cause nausea and vomiting. Also, intestinal spasms and headaches are possible. Similar effect of chafir, according to my sources, is very strong, but after the end, the drink feels extremely pissing you off and causes you to have apathy, irritation, and being very tired. So, just be careful when playing around with chafir. I do highly recommend you try it once, but there are a lot of people who are addicted to chafir in these prisons, and they're known to be unable to sleep or work or exist, whatsoever if they don't have a dose every four hours. Now, it's way less addictive than alcohol or something, so you can give it a try. However, you know, if you're cramped into a tiny little space and this is your only kind of escape from all this situation, yeah, even mild, mild narcotic effects can have a large impact on everything, really. And now we get to the fun part. You see, this episode is scripted kind of partially because I got half of it by watching YouTube videos because this stuff really isn't written down as well. And the second part by actually talking to people who sat into prisons. And the thing is, the procedures of how everything's done is... It's a bit weird. All this is a bit weird. Because I have to translate it as I go. But another weird story about all this prison situation is the fact that how they make those so-called lines in the prison where they kind of transfer things. If you listen to my previous episode, which I again recommend that you do, they have these prison postal lines, so to speak. More often than not, they consist of three parts of everything. See, there are prisoners in Russian, Ukrainian, Belarusian jails, and all the stands as well, where the people who basically spread out the food among the prisoners, you know, the guys who give you the, all the grubs that you want to eat, maybe. See, but those people are considered in a lower ranking of the prison hierarchy because they work with the administration and they're not kind of trustworthy so you can't really give them secret signs or whatnot whatnot what you can give them is more everyday packages which they'll hand you with the food but that is the lazy way of doing things and a lot of people don't like it because you can never trust the fact that your kind of message to your other person in another cell will go unread because in Russian prisons, inter-cell communication is considered to be awful. Because like I said, unlike in American jails, yeah, Russian prisons, from which I've gotten this information, same with Ukraine, like there's a prison cell for 26 people and there's like 50 people sitting in it. Okay, it's overcrowded all the time. So what they do is that they would 
take their spoons or whatever other instruments they had at hand, and they would just cut out parts of the wall and slowly, slowly go through all of these kind of little cuts so they can pass things through the wall. The second option is that they can take some sort of wire, which is again taken from, I don't know, no one knows where, because, well, stuff just appears in prison sometimes, and uh, then they will add sponges to it and barbs made from old toothbrushes or kind of shaving razors and whatnot. And then, as in most Russian and Ukrainian prisons, and this time it's very specifically about Russian and Ukrainian prisons, because haven't gotten this information from Belarus, they would basically make a long, long wire with one of these barbie ends, and they would knock on the wall from their neighboring cell so that they would do the same thing. Because you see, in Russian prisons and Ukrainian ones, the sanitation system goes like if you flush down something down the toilet, then it will just pass through this long, long, large pipe that just travels through all the cells before falling down in some place. Of course, prison administration sometimes tries to fight this by kind of putting some sort of sieves made from concrete inside their pipes. However, these tend to clog up and the smell is just unbearable. And you can always just pay the guy who's supposed to install the sieve so that he wouldn't do that. You see, that, that can happen. So what happens is that these people will just take their barbed wire and just plug it through everything. And on the other side, the other prisoners will then take this barbed wire back again. Now caught together, they'll just tie it together. So they'll have a nice little wiry thing that goes through from one cell to another. And then they would just basically pack everything they can carry around within the plastic bags because... Well, that is a thing called Zapadlo, which means if a prisoner does something that is Zapadlo, he instantly becomes a member of this lower caste, which then can be raped at will, basically. So you can't touch your kind of um, your pot with the hands, though however, unpacking all the gifts sent by the system is considered totally okay, but only Petohi work with this system specifically, the underwater system, however, it's quite popular. And the final way, which is kind of the, the safest one, is one through the windows, because even though prison cells are, well, unless we're talking solitary containment, they still have windows, although they are covered with barbs, metal bars and whatnot. Yeah, through those, well, the prisoners make pipes out of um, newspapers and stale bread, out of which they make the glue. Out. And then they kind of make something which is kind of like a badminton ball, you know, this kind of a paper cone with a, the squeezed watery bread on top of it, which they can put into the pipe, and then the person with the largest lungs, they just blow, and then they just string to it, and then just the person with the strongest lungs shoots it by blowing into the pipe, thus sending the, the badminton-like thingy into a flight, and this works to connect, like, stuff to the opposite building of your cell or whatnot, and sometimes you just basically throw this down to your lower floor. And then you tie a Coca-Cola bottle into it by kind of using the strands, because you've, you've gotten some uh, rope from the fact that you've used old socks and old sweaters and old jumpers for, for the rope. And then you tie a cola bottle into it, and by twisting it in a very specific way, which I don't know how, because haven't been to a, such a prison, I've only been um, once in, a, in Russia, where it was a kind of an isolator thing for about 10 days, but didn't meet anyone there. Yeah, that was a fun story. But um, 
That, that was because of the show, mind you. So, also, extra fun. But but these prisoners, they just twist the cola bottles and they just move it onwards. However, the prison administration aren't made of, you know, stupid people either. So what they do is that they have people who go up onto the roof. They would see someone on the ground coming. If the prisoners would see that, then they would just, you know, tie in the ropes to themselves and wouldn't, this just wouldn't work. So... There's a person from the prison administration who comes down from the roof and from the roof tries to cut all those strands off of one of each other, but they still function in a way. They still do their jobs, and this is the way how there is this upshock thing. Again, listen to my first prison episode. Oh, and uh, while you're at it, please look up ihatebalrog at gmail.com and, you know, if you can, support the show um with any monetary value that you can we're gonna put this in the show notes uh or and or also become our patreon i want to use the ad space for this thank you but um, basically all these prisoners just send off their own things through this kind of wire network and like i said this is a bit weirder as usual because well the Latvian engineer episode is going poorly and I have to do something and I'm translating this in English as I speak. So um, I'm very much apologizing to you guys because, yeah, this is a bit sad. However, well, translating prison slang isn't, isn't that easy. And in the meantime, they also do all the tattoos and everything and they, they still do things for the work. And like I mentioned about the first entering the place, you're not supposed to swear at all. Swearing is considered extremely, extremely bad in Russian prisons or in Ukrainian prisons. Same thing, really. You have to enter there and say just hello, people, and they'll respond to you. And then you're supposed to go to the farthest corner of the prison, of kind of your your baroque thing. And then you go there and then you speak with the smatreshi or the one who watches about your status. And then you answer all sorts of questions like, or whom were you in the life? Which is kind of a way how to explain what were you working, what was your job, and of course if you were a cop, everyone hates you, but they have their own special prisons. And you also can get caught on a lot of things. A lot of people might offer you to play, for example, card games. And they would say, на интерес или без интереса. На интерес, or for the interest, means that you're playing for real money. Sometimes they would say, на ничего, or for nothing. But for nothing really means that the loser has to basically do anything that the winner asks him in the prison culture which might be if you have to go out and kill a certain person really it can go down to murder and if you don't kill them you have to commit suicide or you'll get killed anyways so it's um it's a weird system but in short everyone in the first entry of the room is super perfect and you know earlier there was a lot of comments on the previous episode about the putting down a clean towel before the new entries but yeah, so far found out that that's total nonsense. The thing is, the fact that everyone in prisons is trying to be, you know, they're they're all criminals and they're all dangerous people. However, they're trying to pretend like they would be some sort of a kind of a saint-like figure in a way. They're trying to do their best to be as polite and nice and kind as possible. However, if you break the rules, the punishments are awful. But I'll get to that in the future because yeah, I've been following this prison stuff for a while now. But I do have to leave something for my next episode of when I'll be, well, in a bit of trouble with uh, with the audio quality and everything's going on with the regular episodes. So yes, this will be it for today, but um, 
We're working on more episodes, obviously, and uh, just want some episodes to work out from the technical perspective once a month, at least. That would be nice, otherwise we're always late, and then stuff happens, and then uh, I have to pack in all of my research into 20 pages of script and whatnot, whatnot, but hey, hope things will get better in the future. However, well, in case you have any other questions, poke me, because I want to do a tank episode, I want to do the engineer stuff, and I want to do a bit more about the prisons, because the prisons are getting, well, interesting, and that's a part of the culture that I truly would like to save. Anyways, thank you for listening, and до свидания, товарищи. Thank you for listening to The Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv, and we'll rummage even to the western border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The Eastern Border salutes you. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The Dark Myths Void.